Good morning, 1115. How are you guys doing this morning? Awesome. So seven people down here are good. Okay. How are the rest of y'all? you rest of y'all doing all right? You guys doing okay? You guys awake here this morning? No. Okay. Can I get anything from you today? Okay. That's a little bit better. Just, I just, just kicks and giggles. Just want to say what's up. So, hey, anyways, my name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. We're glad that you're with us here today as we're continuing this series called Making Change. And as we said over the last couple of weeks, we're doing this series based out of some things that you told us in our survey back in January, February, March. You said one of the areas that is a struggle in life happens to be finances. You want to get more information about that. You want to get some of God's perspective on that. And so over the last couple of weeks, we've been trying to do that for you. We've been trying to help you in that. And the, one of the things that I've realized is that mo- money for a lot of us is the, kind of the ultimate test in our life. And I don't know about you, but I'm not a big fan of tests. I didn't like tests in school. Anybody like tests in school? Any, like, there's a couple of you guys that are smart, okay? For the rest of us dumb people, we didn't really enjoy tests. Like, we didn't enjoy that aspect. And, and I know for me that I was one of those people that was always a crammer for tests. Like, the last night right before the test, I would go, and that's when I would try to get my studying done. Can anybody relate to that? You know, just trying to get all the information in, trying to cram it all in so that hopefully the next day you can just reiterate that on whatever piece of paper and then completely forget it so you can cram for the next test. You know, you got like limited time information. And so that that was my idea of taking tests in school. And I'll never forget, I was going to a Catholic high school right in the beginning of my school year. And this is what I know. Let me just say this. I really believe that prayer will always be in our schools as long as there are tests that are given. Kids are always going to be praying, God, please help me. And I would never forget, we had this priest that was teaching one of our classes and he's like, before we take this test, we're going to pray. And I'm thinking, this is a good day because he's going to pray for me to do well on my test. I don't even have to pray for myself. And I'll never forget his prayer. He, he, he goes, bow your heads, close your eyes, same thing we kind of do. He goes, God, I just pray that you would just help these, these students do amazing on their tests in the amount of preparation they put into preparing for this test. And I was like, God, no, no, that's not a good prayer. I don't accept that prayer. No amen right there. I'm not, I'm not having that. And uh, a lot of us, that's what we're like in our finances. We're praying, God, please, please help me in this test. Please help me figure all of this stuff out today. Help me figure all this stuff out in our life. And the reality is, is, is that we're not doing very well in the test because we, we don't have the answers that we need. And when you don't have the answers, you're just guessing. You just found this as a student, this is a, a, a Spanish test, but we had to interpret it. And it asked, it's a science thing. It goes, name the four heavy metals and their symbols. And this was the student's answer. It's Metallica and Slayer, Megadeth and Anthrax. Like, those are some heavy metal bands. Got part of the heavy metal right, and they're, they're symbols, but didn't quite. I, I noticed the teacher gave them five points for that. So that was, like, good effort. Um, here's another test. This is a math test. Find X. Here's their answer. Here it is. <laughs> That's inventive right there. <laughs> Brilliant. I, this is one of my favorites. I couldn't help it. I had to put it on here. This is Tracy. This is some problem that Tracy has. It's, I don't know what all that means. It's, it looks like math. Uh, and they say, Tracy is wrong. Use an example to show that Tracy is wrong. And this is the answer. She's a woman. No, all the women are like, I hate you right now. But you got to admit, that's just funny right there. I mean, it's, just, it's a little sexist, but it is funny. So 
And then this is, this is you know, standardized testing is kind of going crazy in our society. And so uh, this student put YOLO. Um, standardized test. You only live once, uh, but you're probably taking this class twice. You know, that's all I got to say. Uh, you only live once, but you're taking that twice. A lot of us, uh, we feel like money test is, is a lot like this. We're, we're showing up to the test, and we don't have all the answers. And it's frustrating, and we're struggling, and we're wondering how are we going to make it through this test. And I believe that God has got some answers for our tests. He's got some answers for this aspect of our life. And over the last couple of weeks, we said we're going to lay the foundation and then just make it really, really practical for you. And so the first week we talked about the foundational element. If you're going to build a healthy financial future, is you've got to put God first. You've got to put your trust in God. That's going to be the foundation of everything we're doing. Because a lot of us, we keep building our little empires and our little ideas of what life is going to look like. And it continually crumbles down and falls apart financially, partly because we've never set the foundation. The foundation is always set on God and trusting Him and putting Him first. In our finances, last week we just talked about that it's really, really important that as we get God as our foundation, it's important that we get a vision for our financial future because without a vision, it says people live unrestrained. And I know when we don't have any restraints in our life, when we have complete and total freedom, we do crazy things. And some of us have done some crazy things, and it's been biting us in the butt. And so we've got to get a vision for where we're going, and we've got to figure that out. And and as I was thinking about this topic of money, I— I've admitted over the last couple of weeks, this is not something uh, that we did really, really well in life. In fact, Shayla and I both came from some pretty good homes uh, for the most part. My parents were extremely wealthy. Uh, but the thing that they never did is they never taught us about money management. They never taught me how do I manage the money that I earn in my life. And so when we first got married, we went into massive amounts of debt because we had money coming in. We were spending a lot, and then whatever we couldn't afford, we just put on credit cards. That was our, 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 our idea, and it wasn't until uh, we were 22 years old, we got married early, and um, I was working at a church, and I finally got a guy named Tim Pritchard who became a financial mentor to us and started talking to us about how to get out of debt. He started teaching us about living a debt-free life, and then he started talking to us about uh, the principles of giving and the principles of tithing and teaching us about that, teaching us to be percentage givers. He says the first 10%, you return to God. We started doing that. He says then giving is above and beyond that. That's what he taught us, and so we started giving above and beyond that, and we started saying, hey, this is going to be something that's a part of our life. And then he taught us about living beneath our means, that we didn't need to spend every single thing that we had, that we needed to create some margin and create a lifestyle that was like that. And, and over time, as we started applying those principles that he was teaching us, it became a habit in our life. And we talked about that last week, that we have got to develop some really, really healthy and good habits for our life. But as those habits started to develop, it started to create this culture of this is just how we're going to live. We're going to live generously. We're going to live without debt. We're going to live with, with margin and having wise stewardship in our life. And what that brought for us personally was a ton of freedom. And it is freedom from a lot of the pressures that a lot of people are facing today. And this is what I want for you. I don't want you to face those pressures. I don't want you to live with all that pressure, all that stress, all of that worry in your life. Because you don't have to. 
God has got a different way for you, and he wants you to live a free life. In fact, these principles are the same principles we've lived by as a church. We decided we're going to be an extremely generous church. We're going to live off percentages. We're going to give 10% of our income away, and every year we're going to increase that by a percent. And we're going to live with margin. We have money in the bank. We have three months of expenses sitting in our bank account right now as a church because we believe in wise stewardship. You want to know why we do that? Because we want to model what your life should look like. Instead of living paycheck to paycheck, week to week, day to day, there should be some things and some principles that you're applying daily so that you're not going, oh my gosh, how am I going to survive this test called money? And here's what I believe about all of us. I believe that deep down inside of every single one of us, every single one of us wants to be generous. I believe that with all my heart. I believe that every single one of us, we want to help people. We want to trust God. We want to do all of those things. I don't believe that any of us wants to be stingy. Just the reality for us is that we're financially strapped. I don't think any of us sets out and intends to be greedy of just, I got to get more, I got to get more, I got to get more. What happens is we're so upside down, we don't know any other way to live in our life. And because of those things, we've become a prisoner to our finances. And the thing that God wants to do today is he wants to bring some freedom in our life. In fact, 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And one of the reasons we've been encouraging you to put God first in your finances is because wherever you start putting God, there he goes. And where he goes, he always brings freedom to life. And a lot of us, what we need in our life today more than anything is we need some freedom in this area. And I believe that God wants to set some of us free. He wants to free us from some of the shackles and some of the bondage that has been holding us back. He wants us to live the life that he always intended for us to live. And we've worked hard and we've prepared hard for this series because we know that so many people are drowning when it comes to this subject. And we're worried about money. And instead of getting real and authentic about it, we put on the front and act like we've got it all together. Because that's what we do. We act like, man, I'm, I've got it going on. And instead of doing that today, I want to encourage you to, to kind of pull down some of the walls and get real with yourself and get real with your reality. And ask somebody for help today. In fact, we talked about it on our, our, our announcement video. If you're struggling in here, don't continue to struggle on your own. You were never meant to do life by yourself. And you were never meant to try to figure all this stuff out by yourself. Right? Fill out that card and put down, I need some financial help. I need some financial counseling. And we'll sit down with you. We'll have some wise financial people sit down with you and help you develop a plan for where you need to go and how you need to work your way out of that and how you can... Put these principles into practice so you don't have to continue to struggle for the rest of your life, but you can allow God to start to create some freedom in your life. Because, number one, we're not just concerned about your finances, but the way you're living today is teaching the next generation. And I don't know about you, but I don't want the next generation and your kids and your kids' kids to struggle with the same things you're struggling with if we can fix it right now. And we can fix it. With God's help and with his wisdom and with his ways, we can change all of this. And when it comes to money management, most people think 
that money is all about numbers. It's all about numbers. It's addition and subtraction. It's about multiplication. You go to any seminar, they'll give you a book, and they'll talk about all the number aspects of it. And in fact, if you you think about it, any financial planner, they'll talk to you about the number aspect. And today, I want to look at the number aspect from a practical standpoint, and then I want to give you some perspective on God's standpoint. In fact, if you were to go to a financial planner today and you were to say, I know nothing about money, teach me about it. They would give you five laws that they would say, you have got to know and understand these five laws in order to be successful financially. And I'm going to give them to you real quick. The first one would be the law of income. They'll say to you that the law of income is pretty important because it's tough to manage money that you don't have. You've got to have some income in order to manage money. And so they'll tell you that it's really, really important for you to earn as much money as you possibly can. If that means getting a second job, if that means starting another business, if that means you have a spouse that doesn't work at home, they maybe go get a part-time job. If that means moving somewhere else to get a better job, do whatever it takes to earn more income because more income gives you more opportunities. And so if you have more, you'll have more opportunities that are available to you. And they'll say to you, more income is always better than lower income. Most of us would agree, like more is typically better than less. And so they'll encourage you, go and get more income because it's all about the numbers. And as you're learning about the law of income, they'll start to talk to you about the law of spending. They'll start to say, you know, the next thing you need to do is you need to get your income up and then you need to get your spending down. And the goal is, is to lower your spending as much as you possibly can. They'll, so they'll start talking to you about cutting uh, expenses that aren't ne necessities in your life. Because the goal is, is for you to create some margin where your income is greater than your expenses. And what's left over is this thing called margin. And that margin creates a buffer. And that buffer is really, really important for you to have. Because if you can't get your income and spending under control, you can never move to the next law, which is the law of savings, which is that margin part, that part that you have left over that you go, I can start to put this away for a rainy day fund. I can put this away for a just in case. I can put this away so that if anything bad happens, there's money and savings to take care of that thing. And last week we talked about the fact that all of us need to dive into this and start saving something, whether it's $20, $50, $100 a month, just do whatever it takes to start saving something. But most financial planners would say it's not just about the $1,000 emergency fund that we talked about last week. They would tell you that a really wise person will have three months of their expenses in their savings account. Some of you are like, whoa, that's a lot of money. But they say, like, if you're smart, you'll have multiple months of expenses. So in case anything that would happen, you would be able to have that there, and it creates some margin in your life. And they say, as you get good at having margin in your life, what it allows you to do is it allows you to move in the fourth law, and that's the law of investing. And this is where financial planners get excited because this is where they want you to live. They know that investment opportunities are a game changer for you because this is where money becomes really, really cool because you're no longer working for money. Your money is working for you. In fact, they'll start to teach you about the, the idea of compound interest. And this is what they'll say. They'll say, listen, if you're 21 years old, if you were 21 years old and you took $100 every single month and you invested that $100 until the age of 65, you never gave more, you never gave less, but you did that. Over that time, when you hit 65, you would have given or you would have saved and invested $54,000. 
$1,200 a year, not an, an exorbitant amount of money at all in the grand scheme of things. If you were to do that at 7% interest, do you know what, how much that would be worth? Turn to your neighbor and say, $355,000. Good job. A couple of you did it. That's six and a half times what you invested. That's the power of compound interest. That's your money working for you rather than you working for your money. And that's the goal of every financial planner is to get you thinking along those lines because that's a smart business philosophy. That's a smart money philosophy when it's all about the numbers. And finally, they'll talk to you about the law of giving. Now, a lot of financial planners aren't really big on this because in their minds, it goes against the principles of acquiring more. So they, they, don't, they think to themselves, why would you give if you're trying to accomplish these goals? If you were to invest that, you would accomplish these goals faster. And so they'll say, hey, you can do this, but it isn't the most highly encouraged law that they would do. And so you'll find that giving is a pretty low uh, aspect of our culture. In fact, I read some statistics this week that said that the average American family gives 2.5% of their income away. The average American family, we're the wealthiest nation in the entire world, and we give 2.5% of our income. Do you know how much uh, somebody that says that they are a Christ follower or a Christian gives? How much do you think? Wow, somebody thinks really low of us, 2.5%. It's actually 3.8%. It's not much difference. It is still pretty low in comparison of what we talked about the first week of putting God first in our lives, saying that, God, you're my everything. I'm going to trust you with every aspect of it, so there's not much difference there. And so from a numbers-only perspective, a financial planner would tell us, man, the, the goal of your life is to increase your income. It's to get as much money as you can. It's to get your earning power up, and then it's to decrease your spending as much as you possibly can. And as you decrease your spending, to create some margin, which will allow you to have some savings in your life, because it's important that you have that for the for the the uh-ohs of life and as you do that all of a sudden your money starts working for you as you start investing it and if you want to it's okay go ahead and and give some of it away and so they're not usually too excited about this and and honestly if you have if you come in for financial counseling we'll teach you a lot of these principles because these are important elements these are wise things to do these are smart things to do and like they're great things to do but i would ask you if this is the only perspective that we should have. Because this is the major perspective of, of everybody out there. This is what you should do. Um, and I would ask you, is your current approach to life all about numbers? Because I believe that God has given us another perspective. And I think that there's another way to look at our finances and, and do life. And, and I'm not going against budgets and spreadsheets. We talked about the importance of that last week because we have to get good habits in our life. Our good habits are going to create things in our life, but we've got to get beyond the numbers and start to see and look at things a little bit differently because God looks at things differently. In fact, the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians, where is the wise man and where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has God made the foolish the wisdom of the world? See, God's ways are a little bit different. What we think is the wisest thing to do, a lot of times God looks at it and goes, man, that's, that's not the right thinking. That's not my perspective on things. In fact, in Isaiah, he tells us, my thoughts are not your thoughts and my ways are not your ways. He says, man, there's a different 
way of doing things in my economy. And I know that your economy says to do it this way, but in my economy, a lot of times it looks, it works completely opposite. And for us, it seems really, really ironic that we would go against the wisdom of this world, but yet we'll trust God for our salvation. We'll trust God for forgiveness of sins. But when it comes to the area of money, we go, God, we can't trust you in this. Makes no sense if you think about it. And God's saying, why don't you start trusting me and let me be your financial advisor? Why don't you let me give you some perspective on money? Because he wants us to live by faith, not just by what we see in life. He says, man, this is all about your heart. I want you to trust me. I want you to put your faith in me in the way I do things and see what will happen in your life. And I want you to know you can trust God with everything. He has been the CFO and the CEO of this universe for a long time, and he's done all right. Like, he's made it. He's succeeded. And if he's succeeded with all this, don't you think he's maybe got some perspective and some advice that we could take and we could apply to our life? And so I just want to stimulate your thinking here today with maybe God's perspective on some of these same thoughts and look through the same list that we just looked at from a numbers-only perspective, and then start to look at it it from from God's perspective, because a numbers-only person would say it's all about compensation. That's what we learned in the first point. It's all about our compensation. And I think God would say something a little bit different about that. He'd say there's a little bit higher than just making, there's a higher value than just making money. And he says, let's look beyond that, because it's not just about making money, it's about finding your calling that's most important. It's not just about our compensation in life, it's about finding your own calling. Because it's so much more important than your income, because if you notice like I've noticed, money can't buy you happiness and fulfillment. I've tried. I'm sure some of y'all have tried to buy fulfillment and happiness through money. And it's there for a moment. But it goes away really, really quickly. And as much as we try to grab more and more and more and thinking that that will be fulfilling, if I could just have a better job, if I could just earn more money, then I I would be happy. It never is. Because happiness isn't based on what you uh, acquire. It's based on who you become and what you are called to do. And the Bible gives us some kind of strange teaching because we would think, man, it's just about us earning money. But if you trust God and follow your calling, you might not be physically rich from an economic standpoint, but you will be very fulfilled. And I think at the end of the day, that's what most of us are looking for. We're not looking necessarily to be uh, the Donald Trump of this world. We're looking to be fulfilled in our life. That's why Paul tells us, when he's looking at his life in, in Acts 20, 24. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. He said before this, I've accomplished all this stuff, but I consider that worth nothing. If only, he's saying like, if this is, this is all that matters, this is the calling, if I may finish the race and complete the task, the Lord Jesus has given me the task of testifying the gospel of his grace. He's saying, listen, it's not about what I can go out there and earn, it's about who I'm becoming and following the call of God that's on my life. That's the most important thing and we're told in Ephesians for we are God's workmanship we are created in Christ Jesus in advance to do good works like God created us for something we have a purpose and we have a plan in our life we have a calling 
in our life. And it's this constant battle of our calling versus our compensation. What are we running after? And the world will tell you, go get more compensation. And God would say, go run after your calling. And I've talked to a lot of people, and they're like, I hate my job. I hate what I do in life. That's because you've chosen most of the time compensation over your passion. I heard a wise person tell me a long time ago that what you need to do is you need to find something you love and then figure out how to get paid for it. That's the goal of life. Figure out what you were designed to do and then see how you can actually get paid for that thing because a lot of us, what we're doing is we're trying to fill our life rather than being fulfilled in life. And you can continue to fill and fill and fill and it's never full enough. And so the numbers only approach is all about our calling versus our compensation. The next, the next one is, is in numbers only approach. They, they don't really care what you spend your money on because they're not really concerned about your heart. God is very concerned about your heart. That's why he's concerned about how you spend your money. All that the, the financial planner will do is they'll tell you to, to cut as much expenses as you can so you can get what you want in this life. And what we've got to realize is that God wants to free us from the monster of more within us. And what he's trying to do inside of us is he's trying to teach us to learn contentment. He's trying to teach us to be content in life because he's trying to take us from this consumeristic mentality to a content personality. And, and God wants us to be free from this desire of I've always got to have more. I've always got to have more. And for a lot of us, that more thing is constantly tormenting us because we never feel like we have enough. And the thing that God is saying is he's saying the thing that you need that will make you have more than enough isn't more things, it's more of me. Because I'm the only thing that can satisfy the deepest need inside of your life. And you can continue to try to fill it with things, but things will never compensate what I was created to fill a void in for. They may for a moment, they may for a little bit of time, but you'll be right back to the same thing. And what God wants to do is he wants us to be satisfied with him. And when we're satisfied with him, all of this striving for more starts to bring peace to our life. Because all of a sudden we've learned the secret of being content. That's why Paul says, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. But I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And the secret was is that, man, God was his source for everything. That everything he needed was found in Christ. And what will happen is, is as you learn contentment, is that you'll find that you can be full in life without being full of things in life. And I learned this, this yesterday. I, we had a a couple of weeks ago, we had a couple of guys that were bragging about how uh, good they were of uh, uh, cooking ribs in our church. And so um, I decided, I told them I, I would be the judge of how good their ribs were. And so I invited them to have a rib off. Um, have you ever done that where you wanted something and so you convinced other people to do something competitive so you could take advantage of it? Am I the only one that does that? Okay. Um, well, I did it. I, I'm not going to lie. I manipulated them a little bit. And so, like, these guys, they, they decided, well, I've got the best ribs. No, I've got the best ribs. And so they all came together yesterday, and we kind of had this guy that we invited the last minute that said he had good ribs. And so they all came. And here's the deal. Like, three of the guys 
they're, they're just, they're Bobby Flay wannabes. You know what I'm saying? They're like at-home cooks that are watching the shows and thinking like, I'm awesome. And then there was a dude that's a competition barbecue cooker. Like he goes to competitions, has, he had seven grills at his house. Like portable grills, like on, like trailers. Like he goes there and he cooks and he wins awards and all this stuff. And so like these three guys are scrubs and then we have the professional. And so, so I, I'm one of the judges and I'm like, this is going to be awesome because I get to eat ribs and eating ribs is just good. I don't care who you are. That's a good day. Just eating as many ribs as possible. And so we're going through this competition and, and I'm judging the ribs like, oh, that pulls off the bone a little bit too, too easily. That isn't, no, you're only getting a two on that one. You know, I'm, I'm, I have no idea what I'm judging. I'm like, this tastes good. So <laughs> like, bring me another one of that one. And so we get done with the competition. And the funny thing is, is we hand out the awards and the scrub guy that was the last minute invite that was like, I, I didn't even get to cook mine fully, ended up beating all the other guys, which sucks for the professional guy. Cause apparently he's not very professional. And so, uh, but we get done with it, and and I see that there's a group of us, and there's a lot of hungry guys that are there. And so I fill up my first plate, and I eat every single rib that I can. Like, there is not a piece of meat left on the bone. But I also notice that there's not very many ribs left. Anybody ever had that feeling like, if I don't get mine now, like, I'm going to be sad later. And so I went and filled up more ribs. And uh, my stomach was already hurting, but I was like, I just can't. Like, I don't want somebody else to get what I could possibly have right now. Scarcity mentality. Like, if I don't get it now, it's not going to be there. Um, and so I pounded some more ribs. And what seemed like a really, like, more seemed like such a good idea, because the mantra of more will always tell you more is better, was probably the worst decision I made yesterday. Because more was not better. More was very painful that evening. Uh, man, stomach belly bombs, which always translate into toilet belly bombs. You know, and it's... TMI, but we didn't learn the secret of being content with being satisfied with enough. And a lot of us, we haven't learned the secret of contentment. And Paul goes on to tell us godliness with contentment is great gain. The greatest gain we could have in our life is realizing that we are to pursue God and he is our source. And we do, and we go, God, you're more than enough. I don't need all this other stuff. It is the greatest gain we can have in our life. Let's go on to the third law. The third law is savings and it's numbers only. And, and this is what a financial planner will do. They'll put the fear of God in your life. Like if you don't have savings, you're going to be in trouble. And we talked about it this week, last week. When you're broke, everything breaks. And, and there's, there's, there's something to that, but it also puts this, this fear inside of us that says, man, I've got to go and make this happen. And contrast that with God's uh, delivery and it's a little bit different motivation is God doesn't want us to be saving out of fear but God wants us to be wise about our savings he wants us to be wise about our savings I love what Proverbs tells us about in Proverbs chapter 6 verses 6 through 8 it says go to the ant you sluggard consider its ways and be wise it has no commander no overseer and no ruler yet it stores its provisions in the summer and gathers its foods at harvest. It says, listen, the, the ant lives a completely different way. He isn't living based on a fear-based mentality of like, I'm not going to have enough. He's living on a mentality of, of I'm going to be wise and I'm going to prepare in advance for what might come. I know that something's coming and I'm going to be in good preparation for it. In fact, I tell our staff this a lot, like proper preparation prevents piss poor performance. It's the six P's of life. 
and the more prepared we are, the proper preparation that we take, and we're, when we're wise about things and thinking through things, it always helps us out further on down the life. Rather than reacting because we're worried or we're scared or we're afraid, we need to take the wise way of doing things and realize that it's about something different. It's being ready rather than being fearful and living out of that mentality. And God is saying, you know what? We need to be wise because he's given us so much. We need to be saving so that we can be prepared for anything that's going to happen in life. Not because we're afraid of what's going to happen in life, but because we're about preparation. We're about wisdom. And the wise person is always working for the future, always looking towards what's coming rather than what's in front of them right at the moment. It's an important thing to do. It's an important thing for us when it comes to saving. Let's look at investing. Numbers only person will say, invest, build your earthly portfolio. It's, it's all about retiring and living large here. They're, they think the end of this life is the end of life. And that's just kind of a wrong perspective. And, and God says, man, you need to think a little bit different. You're just getting started because at the end of this life, there's another life that's coming along. And we need to focus on our treasures in heaven. It's not just focusing on the, the treasures here, but it's focusing on the treasures in heaven. Because if you were to actually look at the Bible and look at some of the things that Jesus said, Jesus really isn't interested in your portfolio here on earth. He isn't saying that that's a bad thing to do, but if you look at some of the things he, he said, he isn't really impressed with it. In fact, Matthew 6, 19 to 20 says, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Now, don't misunderstand me or don't misrepresent what I'm saying. It's, it's important for us to be wise and, and invest and do those things. I'm not saying do not do those things. In fact, I would encourage you to invest and be a good steward of the resources that you've been given and do the best that you possibly can with them. But if your affections and your goal is all about what you acquire and how much you have, then God's going God's gonna, to try to shift your focus here a little bit because it's not about what you can attain because you can't take it with you. You can't take any of this stuff with you. In fact, I found the story of a, an older guy as, as he was getting near the end of his life. He was a really, really wealthy man, and he was kind of a miser and just hoarded everything that he could. And when he was, he was on his, in the hospital, he grabbed his wife who he was married to, and he said, listen, when I die... I want to take all this stuff with me, all of my wealth, all of my investments. I want to take it with me to the next life. And, and he goes, will you promise me that you'll put everything in my casket? And she goes, I will make that promise. And a couple months later, he died. And they're at the funeral, and she's sitting next to her best friend. And they have this beautiful service. And right as the pallbearers are coming up to close the casket, she goes, hold on. And she pulls out a box from underneath her chair, and she walks up. And she puts that box inside the casket right before they close it. And she goes and sits down and her best friend goes, did you just, did you just give all of his wealth to him to take with him? Did you really do that? And she goes, you know what? I'm a good Christian woman and I made a commitment to give that man everything that he asked for. And so when he died, I went and cashed out all of his investments. I went and took all of his stocks and I cashed them out. And I went and I put them in my checking account and I wrote him a check and I put it in his casket. He's got it all. It's his choice to cash it or not. You can't take it with you. 
A lot of us are living like we're going to take it with us, but that you can't. If you're looking to take something with you, that's a terrible investment strategy. Because there's an investment fund that you can take with you. That's why Jesus said, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. There's a heavenly portfolio, not just an earthly one. It's what are we doing with our lives that is building that portfolio? How are we living our lives? And what is the investment that is the greatest investment in that portfolio? And I'll tell you this. The one thing that you can take with you to heaven is people's lives. Recently, I was just at a church planning conference. And as a church, we are extremely generous when it comes to church planning. We give an exorbitant amount of money to church planning through an organization called ARC. And I was talking with a group of guys that I'd coached and, and some guys that I spoke at some of the, the trainings at. And, and we're able to do that because of your investment that we're able to go and we're able to train church planners. We're able to invest in their lives. And one of the guys came up to me and he said, PJ, I just want to thank you and I want to thank your church because you guys coached us, you believed in us, you sent us money before anybody else did. And he said, man, we believe in you. And today we're reaching unbelievable numbers. In fact, at Easter, they had over 2,000 people at Easter. And uh, they said, man, that's because you guys invested. And I want to say thank you. You want to know why? Because we're storing up treasures in heaven. It's not about what we can do just right here. It's one of the reasons why two years ago, we didn't say, hey, we're going to go build a facility when we could have. We said, hey, we're going to go start another campus because we want to make it hard for people to go to hell by making it easy for them to go to church so they can experience, so they can know, and so they can follow Jesus. Because we can have pretty buildings, or we can go reach more people with that money. And we said, man, we're going to reach people because people is what's eternal. It's what we can take with us. Randy Alcorn and a lot of people, they call it the treasure principle. And what the treasure principle is, is, is you can't take it with you, but you can send it ahead. And so we believe the greatest thing that we can do is we can invest in eternity. And the greatest investment in eternity is other people. And it's us realizing that we have got to be willing to give up some things that we want to introduce some people to someone that they need. And that person that they need is Jesus. And it takes us giving from every single aspect, from serving to time to energy to finances to ourselves that changes those people. It's about storing up for ourselves treasures in heaven, not just here on earth. Those are good things. Don't get me wrong. Storing up things here is good, but it's not the ultimate So we got to look at God's perspective, and we got to focus on our calling rather than our compensation. we got to focus on our getting contentment rather than this consumeristic mentality. we got to focus on being a wise steward of what God's given us rather than living out of worry and fear. And we've got to focus on heaven instead of just earth. And when we do that, there's such joy and there's such freedom that comes in our lives. But there's still one last area. And this is, I believe, the real difference maker for most of us in, in financial planners will tell you this isn't the wisest thing to do. They tell you, don't give big percentages of your income. You'll hurt your overall cause. But they'll tell you, God would say, man, there's, there's a different view. And when you get this view and when you live this way, it changes everything inside of you. 
question is this. It's maybe giving the goal of your life. Not just financially, but relationally, emotionally, physically. You've got to make it the goal of your life. You know, last week we told you to get a vision for your finances. I told you that the vision for Shayla and I's finances is we want to be the most generous people we've ever met. And so everything that we do is built around the fact that how can we live more generously, which means how do we get rid of things that we want in order to help those that need help? And I think as individuals, we've got to figure out that we all want to be blessed in life, but how do we have a blessed life? And Jesus said this, it's Paul speaking through it in Acts 20, I believe it's verse 35. He said, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. In order to be blessed in life, and blessing isn't always a financial thing. A lot of us think, oh, if I just have a lot, then I'm blessed. No, no, no. Being blessed is being healthy, being able to do things, understanding your calling, fulfilling those things. Those are blessings. Giving your life away. In order to live that life, we've got to give up our life. And Jesus was the ultimate model for that. He said, I didn't come to this world to be, for people to serve me, but I came to this world to be a servant to all, giving my life as a ransom for many on the cross. And then God displays the same heart and mentality when he says, he gave his one and only son For God so loved the world that he gave. And if you were to look at God, you would see over and over and over again that the the very fabric of who God is is that he gives. He gives love. He gives grace. He gives mercy. He gives gives new life. He gives peace. He's constantly giving. He gives us unconditional love. And he prospers our life in so many ways. Not so that we can continually escalate our standard of living, but he he continues to prosper us and give us things so we can elevate our standard of giving. To make that the ultimate in our life. And this is just what I found when we're generous with our life. God always reciprocates by being generous in our life. It's time for some of us to get a different perspective on just acquiring more. And start living that we were realizing that we were meant for so much more. We were meant to be this people with a different perspective and a different reality and a different focus than everyone else. That we're not building our life here, but we're building our life in heaven. We're not living for this momentary part of time, but we're living for eternity today. And what we do right now determines what it looks like then. It's getting out of the short-sighted mentality into the big picture of what life is all about. I believe that God is trying to get us there so that we can build a foundation that we can impact this community, this world, that you can impact your family's lives for generations to come by how you live today. Let's make the changes. Don't just do another series where we listen to some good practical information and then apply none of it. 
That doesn't change anything. What changes is application. Let's pray. God, I just pray right now that you would challenge us. That we would look at everything that's been given to us and what you've done in our lives from a different perspective. That it isn't just so that we can acquire more and have more and accomplish more. But God, you've you've blessed us with so much and you want us to be a good steward of those things. You want us to be a good manager of those things. And I just pray here today that as we're listening, as your Holy Spirit is speaking to us, that we would reflect and go, God, where am I at in this process? How am I doing when it comes to living out my calling versus just going to look for more compensation? How am I doing when it comes to consumerism versus living a content life? How am I doing when it comes to being wise with my savings as opposed to living in worry and fear? God, where am I storing up treasures at? Am I, am I tr- just trying to build my portfolio here on earth or am I really living in such a way that's building my portfolio in heaven? God, and what is my life going to be all about? God, I pray that you would challenge us to, to trust you more, to step out in faith more, to not live by what we see, by what, but by what you say. And God, that as we put our trust in you, you would radically transform our lives. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.